Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Obtaining the pure love of Christ, there are two ways to be spiritually and emotionally healed. One way is by receiving a pure act of kindness. The other way is by delivering a pure act of kindness. In my work, I am discovering that I am not only a deliverer of mercy, purity, and kindness, I am also a receiver. With pure love, both are recipients, both are givers. For in the realms of healing, the giver and the receiver of pure acts of kindness are edified. As we heal, we move from degrees of lesser light to degrees of greater light. In our relationships, we are drawn to others by the law of attraction. Light attracts light. Intelligence attracts intelligence. Thus, the reverse is also true. Darkness attracts darkness. Foolishness attracts foolishness. At times, we wonder why we are in relationships that are souring or growing stale. We must consider the source. We are each a source of light or darkness, whether we realize it or not. We each bring to our relationships a measure of purity or pollution, of cleanliness or toxicity, of abundance or scarcity, of faith or of doubt, of love or of fear, of confidence or insecurity of hope or of disbelief. The way to judge or measure what level or degree of light you are on, judge it by the relationship you are most challenged by. How do you conduct yourself in your most challenging relationship? The answer to that question is a determining factor of what degree of glory you temporarily or eternally choose to reside in. Thus, Christ's admonition to love your enemy do good to them that hate you. Pray for them who despitefully use you becomes a measuring stick for how well we are really doing in our lessons here on earth. We are each a conductor or a deliverer of energy, whether positive or negative, of light or of dark. If you would like to know how you are truly conducting yourself, ask a friend about your delivery style. Do you send out love, or do you send out indifference? Do you send out clarity, or do you send out confusion? Are you sending out messages of light that attract others to you? Or do you send out messages of darkness that repel souls seeking light and truth? Are you sending mixed messages? Ask an honest friend. Give heed to their answer. If darkness, deception, or dishonesty reside within you, it can be dispelled, dispersed, and dismissed if you approach it with an honest heart. The light that shines within each one of us can grow brighter until the perfect day as we allow darkness to be dispelled from our very selves. We must have more than a change of heart. We must have a change at the cellular level down to the DNA for the many curses that have been visited upon our heads are generational the sins of the fathers being visited upon the heads of the children. The only way to dispel and disperse darkness 
is to rely upon the merits of Christ, to come unto him, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thus, we can rest from the weight of our sins, be released from our shackles of darkness, and dismissed from the bondage of our own negative and destructive thinking. We can be healed from spiritual and emotional blindness and all other infirmities that block us from the path to receiving and approaching a fullness of joy. How can we dispel the darkness of negative emotions that reside within ourselves, organs, glands, systems, tissues, mind, and heart? If negative emotions are merely energy in motion that get blocked due to a lack of expression, then the answer is simple. The blocked emotions must be acknowledged and expressed or released. In order to cleanse the inner vessel, we must be willing to look inside ourselves and see what we are essentially full of. If we are full of emotional toxicity or negative emotions that have not been expressed, we are essentially full of darkness. As we are cleansed and purified from the effects of sin, our own or others' trespasses against us, we create space within our beings, within our hearts and minds, for abundance. We can choose at that point to be filled with light or to return to a fullness of darkness. Are you full of light? Are you full of darkness? Are you carrying shades of light and dark? Are you happy one minute and at any moment act unpredictably out of anger, fear, resentment, hurt, or frustration? If so, there is need for an emotional cleanse. We think nothing about fasting from food to give our body a rest. We think nothing of going on a cleanse to increase wellness and fitness. But what about regular emotional cleansing? What about taking the time to do your own regular release work? As you consider whether you are a source of light, truth, and love, or a source of darkness, deception, and fear, ascertain your own measure of integrity, honesty, loyalty, love, peace, happiness, contentment, hope, and faith. What are you filled with? Whatever degree of light you hold within your being is the very essence of what you will bring to your relationships. When it comes to taking an inventory of yourself, do not judge yourself on how you treat someone you like. You must judge yourself on how you treat someone you are most challenged by, for these are your true colors at present. If you want to achieve more light in your relationships, create more light within yourself. Light attracts light. Be honest and open in your relationships. You will attract others to yourself who are at your level in life. As children, we are paired together in our classwork according to our age. Later in life, through the law of attraction, we find ourselves gravitating to those who are on the same grade, so to speak, or on similar levels of learning and advancement. You choose friends who mirror both your strengths and weaknesses. Thus, you become both teacher and student for one another. At times, you may be tempted to cut off relationships with someone in your own similar grade, but persevere. You hold a key for one another and may be the greatest gift in helping one another turn the key that will lead you through a door 
to even greater light, truth, and love. Love your enemy is merely to love the person standing in the mirror. It is to love the person staring back in the looking glass. As you point the finger of blame, accusation, scorn at your enemy, you are denying that the person standing before you is simply a gift, a mirror image of yourself. Therefore, if there is something you do not like, as you look into the mirror of your relationship, consider the source. To change any relationship, you need only change yourself. One of two things will happen. It will make or break the relationship. Either your companion will gravitate to your newfound level of light, or they will remain in a comfortable state of ignorance and shun you as you progress onward. If you would like a more perfect and pure relationship, one that is filled with light and truth in the pure love of Christ, then become the source of those wonderful elements. As you heal and purge emotional toxicity from your heart, mind, cells and sinews, you will find yourself becoming a source of goodness, purity, honesty, integrity, and wholeness. Others who have the same degree of light will be attracted to you. Those who are content to live on a lower degree, vibration and frequency, will either be inspired by your goodness or leave you content with the level with which they are vibrating at. The truth will set you free. Speak the truth in the spirit of kindness, always allowing others the choice as to whether or not they want to progress with you and then let the chips fall where they may. You cannot change another son or daughter of God. You can only state your will and allow them their choice to walk beside you into greater abundance and light, truth, and love, or to choose another path. Sometimes the greatest compliment can be rejection, for if they reject you, remember, Christ said, they first rejected me. Again, if you want a more brilliant, beautiful, rewarding relationship with those who are in your life, consider the source. You are the source. And whatever measure you meet out, it shall be measured back again to you. It is the law of equality and balance. What we send out will flow back to us. Therefore, if you would be a receiver of love, be a deliverer of love. If you would be a receiver of light, be a deliverer of light. If you would be a receiver of truth, be a deliverer of truth. If you would be a receiver of kindness, goodness, and mercy, be a deliverer of kindness, goodness, and mercy. If you would be a receiver of an increase of joy, be a deliverer of joy. And gradually, the light within you shall grow brighter and brighter until all darkness is dispelled from you. Surround yourself with sources of light and become a source of light for others. Or more simply stated, surround yourself with love and be a source of love for others. Christ's admonition to us all was, Purify your hearts and cleanse your hands, ye double-minded. If you would have a pure relationship 
with any other spirit child of God. The relationship must be built upon correct principles. There can be no double-mindedness in a relationship that would exceed a celestial or terrestrial state. To have a celestial relationship with another spirit son or daughter of Christ, both must be givers or bearers of light, truth, and love, and both must be receivers of light, truth, and love. Both must be conductors of the highest and purest form of energy, even the pure love of Christ. If one is a giver of light, love, and truth, and the other a receiver only, the relationship will stagnate, the flow intercepted, for it is not whole or perfect unless both are giving and both are receiving. Celestial material is what makes up a heart that is both a giver and a receiver of light, truth, and the pure love of Christ. In order to have a celestial relationship, one must first gain a heart created of celestial material, which means to have a change of heart. A changed heart is a heart that has been healed, cleansed, purified, sanctified, made whole, and thus perfected in Christ. This transformation from one degree of light to another is to actually increase in light, truth, and the pure love of Christ, or in essence, to move from degrees of glory, celestial, terrestrial, and celestial, while in the flesh. The whole purpose of life eternal and thus mortality is to move from one degree of glory to another by increasing in light, which is to have an eye single to God's glory. Truth, which is to gain a perfect knowledge of Christ and God the Eternal Father and the vastness of their creations, and love, even the mantle of charity, which is the pure love of Christ, which is the only love which shall not fail, to pursue any other end or relationship based on any other end result must ultimately fail. The increase of divorce rate is the evidence that all else shall fail. The pure love of Christ must be the wellspring or the pure water in the font of any relationship. Many of the relationships between mortals are mere experiences in learning. The pure love of Christ is necessary and needful if a relationship is to endure to the end. Each relationship is entered into by one or more people. To be in a relationship with oneself is still a relationship which must be built upon the equation of light, truth, and love. The more light and truth one is filled with, the more love there shall be in regards to oneself. One can only love one's neighbor to the degree that one is in relationship with oneself. Thus, we simply do love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We cannot give what we do not first possess. Thus, perfection is simply a mathematical equation. With an increase of light, truth, and knowledge, the relationships moves into a greater degree of perfection. With a decrease of light, truth, and knowledge, the relationships shifts into a lesser degree of perfection. Without charity, the pure love of Christ, the light of any relationship is snuffed out one degree of glory 
by one degree of glory until the relationship ceases to exist, much like a star that burns itself out. If you would have a celestial relationship with yourself, with Christ and with others, you must literally purify your heart and cleanse your hands, ye double-minded. You cannot choose both light and dark at the same time. A relationship between a man and a woman is the relationship destined to have a fullness of joy based in the fact that it is the only relationship which can enjoy through the bonds and covenants of marriage all the blessings of intimacy, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental, and social. It is the relationship itself which becomes the font of all righteousness and which can become the baptismal font holding the waters which bless and cleanse the wounds of the past and lead us into the kingdom of God where the greatest joy and happiness in this life or in this world to come can be experienced. A relationship between a man and a woman that is blessed by the pure love of Christ is a relationship that is based in light, truth, and love. To obtain this degree of glory, even the glory of a celestial relationship or ultimately a fullness of joy, is to gain line upon line, precept upon precept, an increase in the equation of the elements of light, truth, and love, and a decrease of their counterparts, darkness, deception, falsehood, fear, and lust. Every relationship, including the relationship with oneself, with Christ, or any other spirit son or daughter of Christ, will move into a greater degree of glory by simply increasing the elements of light, truth, and love in that relationship. Every relationship will also in the same manner decrease from a fullness of joy into a fullness of misery by decreasing the light, truth, and love in that relationship which is essentially to increase darkness, deception, falsehood, and lust. If you would succeed in your relationships with others, you must first succeed at becoming your true self. Your truest self, your most honorable self, your most trustworthy self, your most adorable and adoring self, your most honest self. You must first be healed from the past by faith, hope, and charity. Faith in a brighter future, hope that Christ will lead you into a fullness of joy, one choice at a time, and charity, experiencing pure love from the sweetest of all sources. Consider the source. Do all that you can to bring yourself to Christ so that you may be healed. As you are healed or move ahead, in the process of being made whole, go and do likewise. Be about your Father's business. His business is about saving, perfecting, and healing souls so that they can receive His love and deliver His love to others. My heart
heard too much to say So many years I wondered If I'd ever sing again The love my heart was feeling A song hidden deep within I needed his
It's all in the delivery. When calling someone to repentance, consider the parable of the moat and the beam. Usually you are gifted in identifying another's weakness because you yourself are well acquainted with the weakness. You perceive in others what is apparent to others in you. As you focus your lens upon the white screen of another son or daughter of Christ, make sure you are not projecting the motives and misperceptions of your own heart onto them. Blame and accusation are tools of the adversary. Be accountable for your own weaknesses in regards to all your relationships, both past and present. For as you speak of another's transgressions, more often not, they are a mirror of your own. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Or in other words, be merciful unto another's weaknesses, sins, transgressions, or trespasses, as you would have Christ be merciful unto yours. If you must deliver a call to repentance, be merciful and speak it as you would have Christ speak to you of your own faults, flaws, and follies. Preserve the person's dignity. If you must cut someone off because you have judged they are on a lesser degree of light than you, then you may be guilty of self-righteousness. Always give someone a choice as to whether or not they would like to walk with you on a path that leads to greater light, truth, and love. If they choose not to walk with you, then agree quickly with your adversary and part company with them. Be merciful to the merciful, even as Christ was. Be forward only with the forward, or in other words, do not use a knife. If a feather will do, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Seek to be filled with the elements of light, truth, and love. Let all your incomings be in the name of the Lord. Let all your outgoings be in the name of the Lord. Bless others, minister to others, and above all, deliver this message. Be kind, tender-hearted one to another. Be vessels of light, ye that bear the name of the Lord. And I would add only, be vessels of light, truth, and love. Ye that bear the name of the Lord, consider the source. Which source are you? A source of love? Do you inspire others on to perfection? Or do you leave them bewildered and confused about your intentions? Do you help them to claim the miracle of forgiveness? Or does your delivery style leave them feeling little hope that they will ever make it? Do you lift others with whom you are in relationship with to the next level by inspiring them? Or do you point out their flaws and weaknesses and leave them feeling diminished and their efforts minimized? To become like Christ, as a patient friend, husband, wife, mother, or father, we must become perfect as not only receiving the Word, but at delivering the Word of God. To be kind, tactful, loving, tender, gentle, and patient is the most effective way to communicate, lest we cut off our love from those who once believed they were lovable by us, and leave them vulnerable and open to the influence of darkness. We must not be reckless in our relationships, lest we leave those who once trusted us in a state of confusion and depression. We must be accountable to those we offer our love, 
lest we send them spiraling downward, plummeting to emotional depths where they would feel void of the Spirit. If we at first offered love to a son or daughter of God, then are we not responsible to maintain a spirit of love in our communications with them, lest they esteem us to be their enemy? When we choose to send our love to someone, to be a source of love for them, we place upon ourselves a heavy stewardship to them, to be a faithful friend, enduring to the end. If we are unpredictable and irresponsible in our delivery style to them, we must be accountable before the Lord, encouraging a son or daughter of God to trust in our love and friendship is no small matter to the Lord. We become partners with Him in that individual salvation or destruction, especially in a marriage, but even as a friend. To become complacent in our roles as friends is to shrink and deny a God-given calling, for the Savior said, Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. If you have engaged yourself in a relationship with another son or daughter of God, and then change your mind and determine that you made a mistake in discerning that you want truly to be a faithful friend, then you must let them off that pedestal that you put them on with kindness and gentleness, lest they stumble and fall when you shove them off that pedestal, or are wounded when you push them away. Or even worse, you leave their open and bleeding heart wide for destruction. For even when the Spirit of the Lord withdraws itself from a man, it does so with gentleness and after much long-suffering. Be ye not hypocrites, expecting mercy from God when ye yourselves have judged your neighbor harshly and cast them from your presence for their imperfections. Consider the source. The source is your very own heart. Fill your heart with light, love, and truth. Let that be the only message you send out. If you reap sorrow, it is because you first planted seeds of discord. If you would be filled with light, love, and truth, then be a deliverer of that message in a gracious and kindly way, becoming complacent and taking another son or daughter of their gifts of love, tenderness, and kindness extended toward you for granted is a sign of ingratitude and will be met with multiplied sorrows. Sending the message of ingratitude will diminish the relationship little by little until there is nothing left of the love which once flourished abundantly. A wise man once said, If you would be loved, then love and be lovable. If you would be left, then cease to give love. He that troubleth his own household shall inherit the wind. Consider the source. Impart of yourself to others. Give the best you have within to give. Speak the truth with kindness and love unfeigned. Leave no doubt in your friend's mind that you truly love them and that the cords of your faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death. Do not expect others to assume that you love them if you are not sending that message consistently and clearly. Give love in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over was Christ's admonition to his disciples concerning their enemies. How much more, then, should we give love in good measure to those who mean the most to us? Some things are better left unsaid, 
especially if we are unable to deliver the message with the spirit of love in our hearts. How often do we simply blurt out our mind and our will without waiting to be moved upon by the Holy Ghost? We must speak the Spirit in all of our communications, both as deliverers and receivers of the Word. It is a two-sided responsibility to engage in effective and non-defensive communication. With the Spirit of the Lord, creating a self-place for discussion, the river of communication can flow freely, edifying and bringing a newness of life to relationships that have become barren and desolate. Seeking the Spirit on the message you should send, the timing of the message, the readiness of the person you wish to receive the message, and the manner in which you should send the message is of utmost importance to the Lord. If you are going to claim that you have sought the mind and the will of the Lord on the matter, it must be given in the Lord's manner. For in your zealousness to save a soul with a sword of truth, be careful lest you smite them with that terrible swift sword and leave that soul sliced asunder by the delivery of your proclaimed revelation. To make yourself the judge over someone else is a delicate matter before the Lord. Judge not lest ye be judged, he said. If you judge unrighteously, God will take that matter up with you at some point when he can cut through your own self-righteousness and get and keep your attention. You cannot see another's heart. It's just what you perceive. He has a better view from there. Leave judgment up to him. In seeking the Spirit while delivering a message, make sure you are communicating righteous principles in a righteous manner to communicate one's own preference and to state it as the Word of God is a sin against your proposed loved one. For many things that we call others to repentance for are simply a matter of our own preference, and God Himself would not keep that soul out of the kingdom of heaven for that behavior or choice at all. If you feel impressed to correct someone, it is the responsibility of the one who is delivering the message to get the Spirit of the Lord and to keep it. It is the deliverer's responsibility to present their material First, certain in their own mind of whether the information they are communicating is a matter of personal preference or teaching a correct principle, and to present it thusly. With this at first defined, it leaves the receiver the freedom to consider the information and decide with the Spirit as to how they will apply the message given. Think for a moment. If our missionaries were to go out and proclaim the Word of God with a vengeance, resting the scriptures and contending over principles of righteousness, how many baptisms would there be? People would grow to fear them. Doors would slam. The stunned emissaries would look at one another perplexed, for had they not come to simply deliver the saving graces of the gospel to such ungrateful souls? Christ's admonition was to be wary as serpents, but harmless as doves. We must be harmless, even without guilt in our endeavors to present a higher form of light to those who we observe are yet sitting in darkness. Deliver your message as one who delivers a piece of ripe fruit to a starving child. If presented with the Spirit, the child will gorge himself upon it. Most people are like flowers. They gravitate towards light and truth. It is only the truly ignorant who would shun a beautiful message if it were presented as light, truth, and love. 
Which one of us would not want to receive a message that could make our lives more beautiful, more prosperous, more abundant, if it were presented in a delicious manner? This requires more conscious thought on the part of the deliverer. But if you would have a true friend, then be a true friend. And remember, it's all in the delivery. Jesus came among men and set about to do two things, to be a true friend and to find true friends. Many presented themselves to him as his friends. One by one, many of them left him. One, Judas, called himself a true friend or disciple and betrayed him unto death. Others started out with seemingly sincerity, but lost interest as they became disillusioned with him as they saw him sit with gluttons and wine-bibbers. They considered Christ's choices as red-flag issues and did not truly seek to understand his heart. Still others, the Pharisees, mocked him and judged his heart, ascribing satanic motivations to him without seeking to truly understand him. He was a stranger among his very own household of faith. The true deliverer was not truly received by those who were critical of his intentions his ability to love many, his gentle and soft approach. How could this be the Son of God? He was a stranger in his own country. How could a so-called prophet be so mortal? He was not a vengeful God. He went about his father's business in the spirit of the law, while they rebuked him for not honoring the Sabbath, mocked him for being disobedient to God's commandments. He came to bless the little children, Yet they, in their self-righteousness, forbid the children to come unto him. Yet only did he atone for the sins of little children, and thus called us to become as little children, so that his atonement could cover for our sins. He took the law upon his shoulders, even the mantle of charity, when he chose to walk among imperfect people. Because their eyes were full of self-righteous superstitions, they could not see his goodness. They tried to call him to repentance. His true friends, his truly special friends, were few and far between. The Pharisees were so caught up in the letter of the law, they could not see, feel, or touch the spirit of the law when it stood before them, embodied in a mortal tabernacle, dressed in threadbare robes. While he set the example, of how to deliver the message. Only on a few occasions did he use a knife to cut to the point. Once, in the temple when he was rebuking thieves, but even on the cross he turned the transgressors on either side of him and said to the repentant ones, This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Even unto the end, even for those whom he suffered, Christ was still delivering the message he came to deliver to the sinner in a spirit of meekness and tenderness. And what is meekness? It is not to be trampled by our enemies, but to stand in perfect control, having control over our emotions, and to be quiet if the situation demands it, or to speak gently in a soft answer which will turn away wrath. He offered hope to a dying soul in his final hour, 
Surely he could have gathered up enough strength to rebuke the sinner that hung next to him, but even in that final moment, he was teaching us the power of righteous delivery. He used a feather upon the sinner who hung next to him while a sword pierced his own side, while nails ripped his flesh, and a crown of men's critical thorns buried themselves into his head. As he hung bleeding, cut asunder by mortal men's approach to calling the only innocent one to repentance, he could have spewed out in his anger a hostile word to the one who hung beside him. It's because of men like you that I am caused to suffer so. But no, he simply bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And remember, this was after he had stood before Pilate and showed us how to receive condemnation. The scriptures said, and he said nothing. He simply let the fiery darts of accusation fly. Those carefully aimed at his heart fell to the ground in an invisible heap, consuming themselves on the ground before him. For in his heart, his own heart, he knew. He knew that he had only come to love the world, not to condemn it, as he himself was being condemned for crimes he had not committed. He showed us how to receive criticism. You simply don't. You let it fall as burning embers to the ground before your feet. You do not return cursing for cursing, but bless those who have betrayed you, mocked you, scorned you, and forsaken you. You do not quote scripture to them. You simply consider the source. If the one delivering the message is doing so in the spirit of contention and criticism, claiming to know your mind and heart, say nothing at all. Any amount of self-defense at that point will only be the fire of contention. Do not return railing for railing or accusation for accusation. Cease to find fault with one another in the moment. That is the Lord's admonition. For what does fault-finding accomplish? It is to add darkness to the relationship which decreases the love. It is like throwing dirt on a beautiful campfire. It snuffs out the life of the flame of love. How do you know if you are speaking by the Spirit? It is not by insisting that you are a chosen messenger of God to deliver that person from his sins, no matter how well-meaning you may be. The way to know if your delivery style is of the Spirit is this, For the Spirit of the law bringeth life, but the letter of the law killeth. If the relationship flourishes, from the words you have spoken by the Spirit, in accordance with the Spirit of that law, it is good. If the relationship diminishes or begins to die, is it because the deliverer did not deliver the message with the Spirit, or that the receiver did not receive your message by the Spirit? Just as the Lord makes intercession for us in our prayers, so can the Spirit of the Lord make intercession with us in our communications with others, bringing to their understanding our pure intent as we seek to share our hearts and minds in the spirit of Christ-like love. Often, relationships sour because of one thing, poor delivery and reception skills. Friendships die, relationships dissolve, divorce occurs. Through the miracle of forgiveness, breaches of trust and confidence can be repaired. For He is the repairer of the breach. He came to teach us a better way. 
to restore us, to redeem us from our own ignorance. When feelings have been hurt, judgments cast, ties broken, there are choices to be made. Is the friendship worth redeeming? The worth of a soul is great in the sight of God, even if there is little hope for a friendship. Out of respect to one another, remember all our sisters and brothers in Christ and ought to sit with one another and counsel together with our minds and hearts open, seeking to understand one another in the spirit of Christ-like love. Romances may end, but in the end the goal should yet live, that we can honestly say, my bowels are filled with compassion for all men. Virtue garnishes my thoughts unceasingly. My lips speak no guile, and I am possessed with the pure love of Christ. The most freeing feeling of all is this, when we can learn to love our enemies without reservation, regardless of how they choose to think or to feel about us. Eternity is the process of learning to love with all our hearts. As we practice righteous discipleship skills, we will be transported through seemingly painful experiences with a peace that passeth understanding. For in the last day, the love of many will wax cold, but our hearts can remain warm and loving, being immersed daily in the clear waters of the fount of the pure love of Christ. To be a bearer of light, truth, and love, we must have guile removed from our hearts, that our lips speak no guile. We can live in the assurance of the Savior's love for us, and as we are assured of His love for us, we will fail only to assure others of His love for them. When our hearts are truly purged of the need to judge ourselves and others, when we are filled with love for our fellow man, and leave judgment up to God, we shall be on the path that leads further into a fullness of joy, which is a fullness of God's presence. And then surely, as we move into realms of greater light, greater truth, and greater love, we can acclaim His abundance, an abundance of God's love. And if we are found at the last day possessed of the pure love of Christ, it shall be well with us. Let us not cling to the memory of our former sins or hold one another bound to remembrance of their former sins. If you cannot free your loved ones to both repent and improve, you have lost your role in their lives as an instrument of healing. God will not use you as an instrument in someone else's life if you sit in the spirit of judgment, accusation, blame, or condemnation over them. Unless you are filled with light, truth and love, you are not a disciple of Christ, for by this men know ye are my disciples. If ye have love one for another, we must free one another, and thus be set free by the spirit of truth and light and the pure love of Christ to move onward and upward in the path that leads to infinite and abundant love. If it's not eternal, it's too short. If it's not infinite, it's too small. If it's not full of depth and breadth and height and width, it is too shallow and too narrow. And as we extend forgiveness and love to one another, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and the doctrines of the priesthood shall dispel upon us as the dews of morning. And what is the priesthood of God? It is the power to act in God's name. Let us all be careful 
how we take his mantle of authority upon us if we are claiming to act in God's name or to speak for him. We must be sure that we are not forging his signature upon the message we are sending. We must make sure that if we claim to be sending his message, we must first get his legitimate signature upon our document before we sign it, seal it, and deliver it to those we are placing ourselves as judge over. Obtaining the Spirit of Obedience And now I ask of you, my brethren, how will any of you feel if you shall stand before the bar of God, having your garments stained with blood and all manner of filthiness? Behold, what will these things testify against you? And now behold, I say unto you, if ye have experienced a change of heart, and if ye have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, I would ask, can ye feel so now? Have you walked keeping yourselves blameless before God? Could ye say, if ye were called to die at this time within yourselves, that ye have been sufficiently humble, that your garment have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ, who will come to redeem his people from their sins? Behold, behold, are ye stripped of pride? I say unto you, if ye are not, ye are not prepared to meet God. Behold, you must prepare quickly, for the kingdom of heaven is soon at hand, and such an one hath not eternal life. Behold, I say, is there one among you who is not stripped of envy? I say unto you that such an one is not prepared, and I would that he should prepare quickly, for the hour is close at hand, and he knoweth not when the time shall come, for such an one is not found guiltless. And again I say unto you, Is there one among you that doth make a mock of his brother, or that heapeth upon him persecutions? Woe unto such an one, for he is not prepared, and the time is at hand that he must repent or he cannot be saved. Yea, even woe unto all ye workers of iniquity. Repent, repent, for the Lord God has spoken it. Behold, he sendeth an invitation unto all men, for the arms of mercy are extended towards them, and he saith, Repent, and I will receive you. Yea, he saith, Come unto me, and ye shall partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Yea, ye shall eat and drink of the bread and the waters of life freely. Yea, come unto me, and bring forth works of righteousness, and ye shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire. For behold, the time is at hand that whosoever bringeth not forth good fruit, or whosoever doeth not the works of righteousness, the same have cause to wail and mourn. O ye workers of iniquity, ye that are puffed up in the vain things of the world, ye that have professed to have known the ways of righteousness, nevertheless have gone astray as sheep having no shepherd. Notwithstanding, a shepherd hath called after you, and is still calling after you, but ye will not hearken unto his voice. Behold, I say unto you, that the good shepherd doth call you, yea, and in his own name he doth call you, which is the name of Christ. And if ye will not hearken unto the voice of the good shepherd, to the name by which ye are called, behold, ye are not the sheep of the good shepherd. And now if ye are not the sheep of the good shepherd, of what fold are ye? 
Behold, I say unto you that the devil is your shepherd, and ye are of his fold. And now who can deny this? And now, my beloved brethren, I say unto you, can you withstand these sayings? Yea, can you lay these things aside and trample the Holy One under your feet? Yea, can you be puffed up in the pride of your hearts? Yea, will you persist in the wearing of costly apparel and setting your hearts upon the vain things of the world, upon your riches? Yea, will ye persist in supposing that ye are better than one over another? Yea, will ye persist in the persecutions of your brethren, who humble themselves and do walk after the holy order of God. Wherefore, they have been brought into this church, having been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and they do bring forth works which are meet for repentance. Yea, and will you persist in turning your backs upon the poor and the needy, and withholding your substance from them? And I cannot tell you all the ways there are to commit sin, but watch your thoughts and words. O man, and sin not. For he shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions and temptation of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, He will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people, and he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy, according to the flesh that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Now the Spirit knoweth all things. Nevertheless, the Son of God suffereth according to the flesh, that he might take upon him the sins of his people, that he might blot out their transgression according to the power of his deliverance. And now behold, this is the testimony which is in me. Yea, I say unto you, Come, and fear not, and lay aside every sin, which easily doth beset you, which doth bind you down to destruction. Hey, come and go forth and show unto your God that ye are willing to repent of your sins and enter into a covenant with him to keep his commandments and witness it unto him this day by going into the waters of baptism. And whosoever doeth this and keepeth the commandments of God from thenceforth, the same will remember that I have said unto him, he shall have eternal life, according to the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which testifieth in me. And now, my beloved brethren, do you believe these things? Behold, I say unto you, yea, I know that ye believe them. And the way that I know that ye believe them is by the manifestation of the Spirit, which is in me. And now, because your faith is strong concerning that, Yea, concerning the things which I have spoken, great is my joy. For I perceive that ye are in the path of righteousness. I perceive that ye are in the path which leads to the kingdom of God. Yea, I perceive that you are making his path straight. I perceive that it has been made known unto you by the testimony of his word that he cannot walk in crooked paths. Neither doth he vary from that which he hath said. Neither hath he a shadow of turning from the right to the left or from that which is right to that which is wrong. Therefore, his course is one eternal round, and he doth not dwell in unholy temples, neither can filthiness or anything which is unclean be received into the kingdom of God. Therefore I say unto you, the time shall come, 
and it shall be at the last day that he who is filthy shall remain in his filthiness. And now, my beloved brethren, I have said these things unto you that I might awaken you to a sense of your duty to God, that ye may walk blameless before him, that ye may walk after the holy order of God after which ye have been received. And now I would that ye should be humble and be submissive and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of patience and long-suffering, being temperate in all things, being diligent in keeping the commandments of God at all times, asking for whatsoever things ye stand in need, both spiritual and temporal, always returning things unto God for whatsoever things ye do receive, and see that ye have faith, hope, and charity, and then ye will always abound in good works. And now, my beloved brethren, I have spoken these words unto you according to the Spirit, which testifieth in me, and my soul doth exceedingly rejoice because of the exceeding diligence and heed which ye have given unto my word. And now, may the peace of God rest upon you, and upon your houses and lands, and upon your flocks and herds, and all that you possess, upon your women and your children, according to your good works, from this time forever and ever. And thus have I spoken. Amen.